I remember that game show that had the whammy and people would say, big money, no whammies. You know, they spin the wheel and they didn't want to land on the whammy because the whammy meant that their turn was over and they, they lost everything. No whammy, come on, no whammy, no whammy, stop. Stop. And I know it's a, a funny thing, but that's what getting a diagnosis like that feels like for me. My mom passed from cancer at the age of 56. My brother, Sean, passed of a different kind of cancer but at the age of 47. For me, I have walked through cancer with loved ones. My heart is increasingly overwhelmed by the last few weeks. I, I can, can legitimately, legitimately say, say I have I never, never before wept so often or felt the emotions I have been processing through. It's incredible how much you have to wrestle with and lay at the feet of God when a loved one is going through a diagnosis you spend your whole life hoping against. I'm so grateful for the faith network that is continuously praying for my mom and our family. I'm so grateful that even though I'm not able to be in Memphis all of the time, there is always someone who loves my siblings there to take care of them, teach them, and carpool them all over the place. There is so much food at their house. There are so many cards with encouragement on each mantle. I'm grateful for those in Franklin who constantly check on me and pray with me. We feel so loved and are constantly reminded of the power of prayer and the body of Christ that is a vessel for it. I'm grateful that my mom has been in the only correct mindset from day one. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He will use this like he uses everything else. We know he has the power to heal. We know we are able to petition and intercede on her behalf for that outcome. God gives us that grace. He gives us the strength if only we have the faith. I only hope to match the faith and confidence my mom has shown and continues to show. I only hope to express my salvation as effectively as she already has through this. It convicts me as I fight with my own emotions and slew of thoughts. But God gives grace even in those low moments when I don't know how to pray. I am so, so grateful for that. Thank you for your continued prayers. I love you, Mom. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and we want to welcome you to a show today where we're going to talk to two moms and share their journey with cancer. We have Stacy Loftus. I'm already going to need Kleenex. I didn't know you were going to read that. Well, I, I've, got, I've got some Kleenex right here, so let's just go ahead and pull it out on the table. So we've got Stacy Loftus. And my dear friend, Pat McClurkin. Well, both these ladies are longtime friends of mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Stacy's the best part of the berry patch. I mean, uh, <laughs> so, I would agree with that. I would, I would say that. Except because, for the grandchildren. Yeah, we'll say that. I used to work for your family company, mm-hmm. MCC. And so I know all your yeah. brothers. Uh-huh. Then when I met you, I said, is she a berry? No, <laughs> seriously. And Pat, of course, you and I have been friends for so long. Yes. We've been up here for, what, 25 years together? At least. Wow. Of course, I started here originally back 35 years ago when the station mm-hmm. first opened and then came back. You and I got acquainted, we have worked together in doing radio production. You, of course, host the weekly Friday Viewpoint on Bot Radio, AM 640, doing a great job, and we appreciate that. It's one of the most fun things I do. Yeah. I get to meet so many great people. That's what's really Mm -hmm. exciting about what we get to do. And, Stacey, I've had some of your children here and Uh have recorded them. Uh They're such great kids. I know you love them. you got six children. Catherine, I believe, is the oldest. Is that right? Yeah, Mary Catherine's the oldest. Uh And then you've got three boys and three girls. Yes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and tell me about your children. Yeah, Mary Catherine's the oldest. Then we have uh, Christopher, who just finished his freshman year in college. Um, Micah, who will be a senior in the the fall in high school. Um, Patrick and Melody and Tessa. So Tessa, our youngest, will be going into sixth grade next year. So it's kind of everything in between. 
between. Oh, I can't believe it. I remember when she came up, maybe she was four mm-hmm. years old the last time I yes, talked yeah. to her, mm-hmm. you know, and yes. so now she's going into sixth grade. Yes, and almost taller than me. So they're all taller than me. <laughs> I'm the shorty in the family. Stacy, I opened up with that letter from Mary Catherine. I saw it posted on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. and I thought, we've got to open with that. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. When you saw yeah. that for the first time, reflect a little bit. Oh, I wept. <laughs> um, I'm glad that what my children see in me is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And at the same time, as a parent, I'm very aware of my shortcomings and the low moments as well. And my kids have seen the low moments, too. So for her takeaway to be strength from the Lord, yes. I'm very grateful. Any parent would say the same thing. You don't want to see vulnerability and weakness in front of your children, but mm-hmm. it's life. Things happen, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. You got a diagnosis of having cancer. Yes, and there have been a lot of tears shed before the Lord, and there's been a lot of, you know, sowing in tears. We're, we're doing the next thing as God brings to our path what we need to be doing treatment-wise. The kids have been going about their school business all year. We've had much, much help. Been so very blessed yes. by all the help. We could not have gotten through this school year without it, but just been a, a hard, hard journey, yes. but also a faith-filled journey. I do know my kids have seen the presence of the Lord through it, through our neighborhood, through our church family, through our family, and through God leading Mark and I you know, as we've just done the next things. Well, according to the National Cancer Research at the National Institutes of Health, cancer is a disease in which some of the body cells grow uncontrollably and spread to other parts of the body. Cancer can start almost anywhere in the human body, which is made up of trillions of cells. Pat, you yourself have been diagnosed with cancer. Right. Your son, Mark, is Stacy's husband, so we've got mother and daughter-in-law here. Uh, how long has it been now when you... It was two years ago uh, this August, and hers was a year ago in August, but our journeys were different, and I had an easier time than Stacy did because we didn't have the pandemic yet, and it was very difficult. I know I was diagnosed on a Tuesday, and I was leaving on Thursday to go to Charlotte, North Carolina for our grandson's wedding, and I was thinking we can't tell the children that i have cancer because it will put a cloud over his wedding so jesse and i made the decision not to say anything about it it's kind of funny now when you think about it but mark and stacy and the children were already in charleston and mark would call me and he'd say mom what are you doing now i said oh i'm just packing and getting ready to go and actually i was on a still table at west clinic Mm -hmm. getting all this test done trying to get my treatment ready for when we returned and Stacy said to me several, she said, I don't know how you kept all that to yourself through that whole weekend. It was just amazing to me. But it was much harder to tell them when we got home because we had not told them. We couldn't get all their kids together. Is that surprising? <laughs> I wanted everybody to be at home at the uh-huh. same time. Finally, I think Micah yeah. was still missing yeah. because I, I wanted to tell them together. And uh, I knew it was going to be hard. And then we told Mel and Leslie and their children but I had it easier because my daughter-in-laws were there for me. Uh, they were at surgery with me. And some of my sweetest memories were we watched Hallmark movies every <laughs> night right. after I had surgery. <laughs> uh-huh. And I could have visitors. And Mark could come by and bring me. Mm-hmm. The hospital food was horrible. And so he would bring me food that I actually probably wasn't supposed to have. And so so my journey was a little bit easier because by the time she was diagnosed, we were in a full 
blown crisis with COVID mm-hmm. and everything, and um, th- th- her decisions were harder to make than mine were. Mine yes. were sort of made for me, but she was there for me, and my other daughter-in-laws were there for me the whole entire time. My friends, my family, and just like her, I mean, I don't know what we would have done without that, and without all the people praying for us. It's, it's, it's a shock when you're told that you have cancer. It's sort of like you think at first, well, I must have misunderstood. You know, oh, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. real. You both share the same type of cancer, right? right? We had exactly the same type. Well, yeah, the ovarian. Um, mine is gene based, so treatments are different. Cancer, yeah, it's ovarian cancer for both of us, but yeah, our treatments have been different. But I think, Byron, to be honest, when Stacy first realized she was having some difficulties and she went for a checkup, and Mark called me that day. I happened to be at West Clinic when he called me, and he wanted to know where I was and when I would be home. And he said, call me when you get home. Well, when I got there, they were already there. And um, I knew it was bad news. And so I walked in, and they told me. And I will tell you, it was like somebody had shot me in the stomach with a shotgun. It was much harder than being told that I had cancer. And all I could see was Mark and Stacy and those six children. That's all I could see. And suddenly it just... I mean, it was a hard year yes. for all of us. Well, Stacy, what were those first signs that you noticed that something wasn't right uh, with your mm-hmm. health that led you yeah. to go well, to Yeah, well, we had um, just taken our son Christopher to college and um, helped him get set up in his dorm. And we got back, and that week um, I ended up with fluid on my lung, on my left lung, that kept me from being able to sleep. And, you know, because of the pandemic and so many things going on, I had postponed my physical. Um, there were just so many you know, things. Our, our um, doctor had gone to virtual visits. So I contacted my doctor and shared with her that you know, when I laid down to sleep at night, I had a sharp pain in my lung area that would not go away. And of course, like most people nowadays, I Googled and I, 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 knew, <laughs> I figured it was some kind of fluid on my lung based on what my symptoms were, which can be caused by any number of things. So then when I uh, had a virtual visit with my doctor and then um, she said, well, you need to come on in. It, it does sound like something's going on. So I went to see her, and that same day she sent me to have the fluid drained from my lung. And the fluid came back, indicated that there were adenocarcinoma cells in the fluid. And so she called me on a also a Tuesday night and told me that the cells from the fluid were cancerous. And so then there were CT scans and lung scans, and it was just a, a blur. But, yeah, I, I agree with Pat. It, I remember that game show that had the whammy, and people would say, big money, no whammies. You know, they spin the wheel, and they didn't want to land on the whammy because the whammy meant that their turn was over, and yeah. they, they lost everything. And I know it's a, a funny thing, but that's what getting a diagnosis like that feels like for me. My mom passed from cancer at the age of 56. My brother, Sean, passed of a different kind of cancer, but at the age of 47. So for me, I have walked through cancer with loved ones. And so I'm probably more aware than most people so you got of this the ins and outs. flood of emotions that are hitting yeah. you. To you, it's the death sentence possible. Yeah, no, that is what it, it felt like at the time. So you have that feeling... But then at the same time, because I became a Christian at a very young age and grew up in a home where I was taught the Word of God and in church where I was taught the Word of God, 
by the sweet Holy Spirit that he gives to his children while, you know, while on one hand you have this feeling that it's a death sentence on the other what wells up inside of you is i have not given you a spirit of fear what wells up in you is that i'm your heavenly father and you can trust me and you can fix your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross and you can run this race with endurance so so it's all there so it's all there at the same time that fleshly fear and then the holy spirit just welling up and so when i shared the news i I happened to have been at home when the doctor called me by myself so none of the kids were home and mark was not home so when mark got home i let him know that the doctor had called and we went in our room so we could talk privately i think the kids were home by that time but what i shared with him before i said anything was that hebrews 12 1 through 3 that since we have such a great cloud of witnesses we are going to run this race god has given us a a race to run and i don't like it yes it's not a race that i would have chosen and i really wish he'd just take it back but it's what he's put in front of us, and we're going to run it, and we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus to run it. And and I cried as I told him. So it's like the faith is there, the hope is there, the tears are also there. It's all, it's all mixed together. And what are the odds of a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law yeah. having the same kind of cancer at the same time? Mm-hmm. And well, that, and that was, was actually, and after walking through that with you. There is a lot of hope in that, too, because Pat has done so remarkably well, and her faith is so strong. And so so I also had that to lean on as well, that um, you know, she has been uh, a great encouragement, and her faith is very resilient and strong and steadfast. And so... I had had that example as well that you know we're we're just we're going to run this race we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and run this race and she did I mean she was helpful to me in a lot of ways because Stacy is a when she said Google she's the queen of Google <laughs> uh, she I'm not like that I don't particularly like to get on the computer that much and she researched a lot of things and found a lot of really great books that were very very helpful by chris wark is that my saying that correctly? yeah yeah he's a memphis and, a memphis guy mm-hmm. and she uh shared those with me they helped me tremendously they tell you a lot of things and one of the things that i learned more than anything you know mark had been and stacy had been taking care of me until her diagnosis and all of a sudden i realized you know Mark would call me every day on the way home, Byron, and say, Mom, do you need me to go to the store? Do you need anything? I'll, I'll go get it for you. And all of a sudden, I realized, you don't need to go to the store for me. You've got a wife and five children at home that you need to go to the store for. And it, it sort of kicked me into gear, I guess, that I could do those things for myself because he had his plate full, and he was a champion. I mean, even when I was in the hospital. But we had different journeys because hers is genetic. Mine was not. I did not test with the gene but i was never sick with chemo and i think maybe that was a little hard for her because i had prayed so much that she wouldn't be sick and she was very sick yes. mm-hmm. and stacy there's another dynamic too to yours because in, in light of this pandemic you had to spend some time in the hospital by yourself yes yeah so you know i got the phone call that the lung fluid contained adenocarcinoma cells um, on tuesday the kids were all in town by that friday night we told them 
that Friday night. And then I had still been having discomfort from the fluid in my lung, wasn't able to sleep in my bed. I was having to sleep on the couch. And that Friday night, um, I could not sleep at all. The pain got worse. It wouldn't go away. So by Saturday morning, we called um, my doctor and the doctor said, it sounds like you have a blood clot. You need to get to the ER. So it was early on a Saturday morning. Mark took me to the ER. The ER was absolutely empty. It was absolutely empty. They would not let him come in with me. And my pain is increasing this as he's trying to check me in. He's trying to help. He couldn't help check me in. I had to check myself in. Um, The reality is, if God wanted to take me, I could have passed right then and there. Because just waiting and trying to communicate with the lady at the admissions desk what was going on. You know, Mark was distressed because he could not come in with me. I could barely walk. I mean, I was in my pajamas. I was having shortness of breath. All the symptoms had to wear a mask even though because of the pleural effusion and the embolism, I was having difficulty breathing anyway. So it was all just terribly distressing. Fortunately, by the grace of God, the clot, they took me back, and as they were doing the triage assessment, um, the pressure and pain relieved all on its own. Just so I think it, yeah, well, it didn't dissolve, but it broke up. It broke apart. So then I ended up the rest of that day waiting on tests, but nobody really checked in with me. It, right. it was just a bizarre right. from the hospital. I mean, other than the, I, I think they were trying to decide what to do. You know, someone came in and said, well, this blood clot's a result of what's going on with the cancer. So I had more scans and more tests. I did have one night in the hospital, watched church Sunday morning online. I was thankful for that mm-hmm. and to be able to worship with church family online from the hospital, knowing that people were praying for me and God is still on his throne. That was a huge comfort. But And then by that afternoon, I was able to go home. But it was all, you know, we didn't have a game plan at that time. We didn't know what route of treatment we were going to go. And, and uppermost in my mind was, I'm not going to have surgery if I can't have an advocate in the hospital with me. Doctors are human. Nurses are human. We're limited. And so what the pandemic did is it prohibited people required to be in the hospital from having an advocate, someone to get water for them, someone to communicate with hospital staff. And that's nothing against. We have wonderful doctors and nurses, and they're a huge blessing. And Pat and I have both been blessed by outstanding doctors and nurses, and I'm so grateful. But it changed the hospital care environment so drastically. So that did affect my decision. I chose not to have surgery immediately. There was no way I was going to go into a hospital. You know, after staying with Pat in the hospital, it ended up being like eight nights uh, for, uh, over the course of that mm-hmm. year. You know, I, I knew I was not going to – I defected my decision. And, and ultimately, part of your treatment was to leave Memphis, wasn't it? And you yes. Go- that Yes, that's right. So I, I did my <laughs> – I call it doing the homework. You know, I, I did do the research. But I went to Mayo for my surgery, um, contacted a surgeon there. And so it's it's been more of a, a team approach to my treatment. And see, so, I had things accessible to me that she didn't have because yes. we didn't have the pandemic yet. So, yeah. so it was not – but my treatment at West Clinic – was night and day difference from hers because mm-hmm. we went from the mass, nobody could go in with you, yeah. and all of that. And I didn't have that. And so it was a lot different from hers. And she yeah. had a lot more stress involved in her. And and I don't know if she would agree with this or not, but I think it helped the children 
that I had already walked through it and that I I had done well. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I lost all my hair within a week and a half. And I can remember Tessa was so upset over that. I never let her see me without hair. It was so funny. And I told her one night, she came, she's grimmer. You've lost all your hair. And I said, but just think, Tessa, I have to take it off at night and put it back on in the morning. It takes five <laughs> minutes. I tried to make light of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it made it easier when Stacy had to go through that because they had already yeah. seen me do it. Mm-hmm. Stacy helped me so much because of all of her research, I had mm-hmm. so many things at my fingertips to help me that now help other people. And I've never seen so many people in my lifetime diagnosed with cancer as has been since we've been in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. You know, the scripture talks about when we go through difficult times, we often go through them so that we can help and support for others. Mm -hmm. We understand we have the, not just the compassion, but the empathy to Mm -hmm. know what somebody's walking through. We need that for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, the love and the concern for others, Stacey, when they're going through these dark valleys in life. And I felt really sorry for Mark. I prayed for him all the time because he had a mother and a wife going through it at the same time. And I know he felt like there were times maybe he didn't do things for me that I needed, but his wife and children, in my mind, were a priority. And I will tell you that one of the things I try to do is have joy through all this and focus on the positive things. Those children have helped me get through it. I just need, let me take Tessa to below five and out to lunch, you know, and it's a great day. But we both try to focus on what's positive and what brings us joy and not on the cancer. And I don't think we mentioned this too, ladies, that you're a homeschool mom. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. you have homeschooled all the children. Yes. So how many are you homeschooling now? Well, this year there are four at home. And my sister and I had planned, she has four kiddos as well. And because of the pandemic, we had decided we were going to work together to make a little homeschool pod for our kids so that so my kids could do school with their cousins and we use a local homeschool tutorial called the bridge and they were all online this year so we had mapped out before my diagnosis we had just painstakingly mapped out everybody's courses what everyone would take and when the kids would be at my house and when they would be at my sister's house so after my diagnosis my kids were at my sister's every day for several months. Uh, my sister Stephanie set up a take them a meal for me. Uh, friends, family, neighbors brought food for all of us, for, for my whole family for seven months, brought meals for seven months. And then some, there was another group of ladies that prepared organic dishes just for me. They knew I needed to eat right. something different during treatment. Um, now, after this year, you know, my homeschooling days are now concluded, and we are going to put the younger three in a uh, local high school. Uh, so one, one will be in high school, one will be in eighth grade, and one will be in sixth. But yeah, that was another element. Um, all mamas have been affected by the schooling dynamic of the pandemic this year. Yes. So even though I've homeschooled for 22 years, the pandemic changed even life for homeschool families because the kids didn't have the outlets, the social outlets that they would normally have. And that was very isolating, just like for everyone. See, I think yeah. that's an aspect that you don't think about when you think about homeschool families, you know, having mm-hmm. to go through that. Mm-hmm. You know, So I wasn't aware of that. Yes, yes. So, so fortunately, my kiddos had their cousins. And my sister made sure that the education happened. And we had several friends step in to help and privately tutor as well to make sure 
kids were staying on track because there's and there's no way they would have gotten their education this year because I was not able to do any of it. Yeah, and you got grammar them. stepping in too. Well, you know what, grammar got to do a lot of the fun things with the kids mm-hmm. more than school. But <laughs> yes, but yeah. Stacy was. I keep saying this, but our journeys were so different. Even though we had the same kind of cancer, our journeys were different, and I think the pandemic had somewhat to do with that because. Everything was a major decision for you because you, nothing was easy, not to go to West Clinic, not yeah. to see the doctors. For me, it wasn't really like that. Well, and from day one, when the first time I went to West Clinic, you're greeted by the people asking you the questions, making sure you're wearing a mask, taking mm-hmm. your temperature. Like I said, when I first started going, I was so ill. I had had a pulmonary embolism and a pleural effusion both that affect your lungs and i was having to wear a mask everywhere i went when they asked have you had shortness of breath yes i was in the hospital last weekend (laughs) you know it's like it didn't apply the stuff they were asking didn't fit into my context but i was having to follow everybody else's rules and then the threat of illness was very real you know we did let the kids go to youth group and things as church opened up and there is that concern do i let them spend time with friends at all because you know her immune system's low you know mine is low Our defenses are not what they should be. And so the the risk of getting um, anything at all, flu, cold. You're quite vulnerable. Very. Yeah. But you know what, Byron? Mm-hmm. I prayed faithfully and fervently that I would not be sick because I knew that Mark and Stacy needed me and they didn't need for me to be sick. And people would tell me all the time, I don't understand why you don't get sick. And I know it was God. I know it was prayer because I would tell him i'd say you know i have all and i tell my doctor i have all those children over there i can't be sick you need to think about what you're going to give me and i know the lord was faithful in that and he was so kind to me because uh as you know jesse's health's not good either so that was another element Mm -hmm. for us to weigh through he can't be around a lot of people but one thing we did before we're out of time that really was a blessing we had church at mark and stacy's and she and i would share making brunch or i would make brunch when she was too sick and we would watch Mm -hmm. church online and that really saved us from being totally isolated that was the only yeah that that was was the only Mm -hmm. only really fellowship we had yeah that was fun well ladies we're gonna have to wrap up where we are today i would like to continue the conversation can you hang around and let's talk some more okay we'll do that we're gonna say goodbye on this show right now we're having conversation it's tough but we're seeing the joy that's spread through the times of difficulty and trial the joy that comes through jesus christ stacy loftus and pat mcclurkin our guests today talking about their journey with cancer we're going to pick up the conversation on our next mid-south viewpoint hope you'll join us thanks for listening i'm byron tyler and we'll talk to you next time bye-bye 